is Thursday. RawMikeRichards.com broadcasting live from the DKI studios in downtown Toronto. 234 King Street East. Out of the Pacific Junction Hotel. Coming up today, well, I got a little bit of uh, everything. Including the, uh, I don't know if you've seen about those uh, that Thai soccer team, Dave, that's stuck in that cave. That's nuts. And now they're figuring out how the hell they're going to get them out. Yeah, and you know what? I don't know how they're going to do it. No. They don't know how they're going to do it. They, they have all these ideas. Yeah, like, I heard it for the first time, I guess, a couple days ago. They found them, which was a miracle. I, I don't How did they find them? I, I don't know. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then the guy's sitting there going, we're not sure when these guys are going to come out. I'm like... No, today, now. Yeah. You know what they're saying? Well, you know, the rainy season's over in uh, October. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I don't know. So we're going to we're gonna show you uh, a couple of examples of those that uh, rescue people for a living. Oh, very cool. Like, there's a guy who's like Like a, Sylvester Stallone in... Uh, in Cliffhanger. Uh, Cliffhanger. Yeah. Oh. So what are oh. the odds in that movie where Stallone loses his wife <laughs> right when he's, he's trying to grab yeah, her? Yeah, first scene. He's like, oh, wait a minute. I'm going to get you. No! Yeah. Exactly. So we like the same movies. <laughs> yeah. And then and then the girl from uh, the short-haired girl, those yes. supposed to be the pretty one. Yeah. And then right at the end of the movie, what are the odds? She's on like a rope thing. I know. He's like, and he makes up for it. And then she slips again. He's like, oh, not this time. <laughs> and there's the movie. Yeah. Good night, everyone. Show's over. It's like every. You just saved us an hour and forty-five minutes. I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Uh, including Steven Seagal movies. <laughs> what are the odds? You know. Yes. <laughs> that, you know, it would have been great. He drops yeah. her, too, at the end. It's like, damn it, yeah. over two. Yeah. Good night, everyone. See, that's what they would do now. In the day, there were happy endings. <laughs> but now the millennials, those little pricks, they're like, uh, no, life isn't always happy, so she dies again. So the hero loses both women? <laughs> yeah. And then what happens? They're the credit roll. <laughs> and then we look at our black uh, fingernail polish. We listen to a band called Fun, and we uh, uh, we get uh, depressed, and we go on Facebook. That's that's a great movie. That's right, Russell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we do have some uh, Steven Seagal stuff that we didn't get to. Uh, a real real Steven Seagal in Aikido, which is his, the real that's the martial art that he's uh, yep. supposed to be famous for, and he's like throwing about uh, twenty seven guys around, Ooh. and then. I've got a <laughs> okay. Then I've got him doing something that I don't know if people know that he does. This is from 2014 in Spain. You, it's going to freak you. Out. I was going to say something, but I'm not going to. It's going to freak you. Out. You're going. Okay, what is this? What, what does this have to do with Stephen Gall? Seagal. No, this is what he does. Yeah. If uh, Jimmy Lang is is watching, he, and I know you are obsessed by it too. Of course he is. You must see what I'm going to play coming up. Uh, also, uh, as the John Tavares uh, craze continues. Someone had just put it on. Now, Jim McKenney, who used to do sports here in Toronto. Yes. Uh, it was called City Pulse. City Pulse News. They Russell, always, Russell was a reporter for them as well. No, he Now he could be. Back mm. then, they had real bra, they had pe- real people who got paid good money to get, do a good job. Jim McKenney was a real character, formal uh, Toronto Maple Leaf. But they used to do that, uh, and they still do, the Athlete of the Week. Yes. This one, a 14-year-old. John Tavares. Ah, very cool. How and it is weird to look at the thought of this guy, where he has ended up in his life, and as we talked, Dave and I talked about the other day, how at times unrealistic it is in this day and age when you have you know uh, a a league that you aspire to play in, you become a superstar, 
or 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 one that's very prevalent, a blue chip guy, the odds of you playing in your own hometown are very very small. I don't know what the percentage tiny. is, tiny, but it'd be tiny. You go back and look at this, and 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 you know what'd be interesting is play this in front of them and go, okay, there you are, fourteen years old. Did you? Even in fantasy, and we all fantasize as kids. I I was Mike Palmateer. Yeah. I was making huge saves. Could you even see this coming? Because I can tell you what. If you imagined the money, JT, if you imagined that this would be your salary back then at 14, no you're a you're greedy. Yeah. You were one greedy little dreamer. Because yeah. I when I when I fantasized as a kid about playing, it was about playing. It, it, the money you you knew you'd be well paid, but it was more about me. It wasn't even a consideration. Yeah, me, there yeah. I am. I'm probably wearing number one. I always wore number one. And I'm making, but I've got the Palmetier mask on, which would have been really weird to copy someone else's mask completely that looks so different. Making huge, you know, stacked pad saves, yep. feet way up in the air. That that was the fantasy. It wasn't that I was going to make like $100 million. Hey, what was going through your mind when Palmetier was traded to the Capitals? I was depressed. That, okay. that hurt. <laughs> I, that hurt cause, bad. Because Palmatier was the guy. At the, but, then, at that, but at that point, I realized there were such back issues. Yeah. He, he always had back issues. Sure. That at that point, as much as it hurt, you know, even then, you, you know, you st- you started to see it coming a little bit. But that, yeah. I mean, that's like lose. Okay, so Dave Keon when he when he jumps to the WHA, yes, that was crushing. Yeah, and of course, I didn't as a kid didn't, eat, and I should have known. Uh, there's my uncle's the, the the trainer of the Toronto Maple Leafs, but the stuff between him and Harold and everything else. Oh yeah, oh, um, yeah. Now that now that you're older, you understand. You've you, heard the stories. Absolutely. Yeah. No, because people ask me all the time about Dale Howardchuk trade to Buffalo, right? Which was devastating. But at the time, you almost felt that it was the right thing to do. And when you look back at it, Phil Housley was an awesome trade, oh, they're, they're, and that, both teams won the yeah, deal. Yes. Yes. The, the only thing I look back and say, I wonder if it would have been different is. There was and Mike Smith was the general manager at the time, and he was negotiating negotiating with a couple teams. One of them was Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh had offered their fifth overall pick in that draft year. Jets said no to it. It was Yarmer Yager. Okay. So you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's kind of yeah. like oh, imagine that. Because but 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 every time, Dave, when you get in these scenarios, I know, I know. It, you know the the Yager hindsight. goes to the Jets and he yeah. turns into crap. You know what I mean? Like you never know, right? Well, what was the one uh, um, the Leafs that ended up getting uh, the goalie? Was it uh, which one was that? Uh, with B- the Boston Bruins. Oh, uh, Andrew Raycroft uh, for Tukarask for young prospect yeah. Tukarask. Yeah. I've never heard of Tuka Rask. Looks like a great Finnish goaltender. First round pick the year before Pogi. We'll ship him off to Boston, see yeah. how it turns and you ever, out. Because look at that. Justin Pogi was supposed to be yeah. a blue chip guy. Those were the two goalies they yeah. were figuring out. Which one are we keeping? Which one are we dumping? They dump the guy that becomes a Vesna Trophy winner. They keep the guy that's now playing in Russia. Yeah, see, and I got, a, obviously, uh, I got fairly close with, well, I called him Pokes. Yeah, he was a good guy. And, you know what, Calgary Hitman, did you tell me he was the best player in the CHL? He yeah, was. Yeah, we remember the World Juniors. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, 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 it's just one of those things where, in trying to predict, going from one level, to the next level, yeah. that they carry on blue chip status, it's not as common as people think. So, therefore, when certain trades are made and certain number ones go here or certain draft picks, it's really ballsy of just a fan to go, yeah, well, look what happened because two years later. Yeah, sure, two two years later. No. But you can't say that, uh, for instance, who – well, I mean, there's a lot of examples. 
people just assume because you saw a uh, an Austin Matthews, uh, a Connor McDavid, that that one after one, when these players come out, that they are the dominant player and will continue that. Like I mean, for uh, uh, Jack, uh, why am I drawing blank? Like then Jack Eichel. Eichel. Yeah. Like obviously a substantial player. Very. But you know, I'm, I can't put him in because he doesn't do the same. Then play the same position, but you know, as you're looking at a Connor McDavid or or an Austin Matthews, uh, it's it's not as easy as you. Th- like, for instance, there was a time where Dion Phaneuf was the blue chip guy. Oh, was goes he right ever. from junior, goes right to to, uh, to, still, to Calgary. I still remember him being drafted and Daryl Sutter sitting on uh, on the stage with him, and he's smiling ear to ear. And Daryl Sutter doesn't do that that often. Well, uh, no, <laughs> never. <laughs> and he was, and they were like sitting there going, "They got themselves somebody from Red Deer." Well, and it was like boom. And and here's the thing too that because of that lockout year, that World Junior team that yeah. they had in North Dakota. Yeah, I was at that tournament too. Yeah, they didn't let a goal in for like you know how they do minutes. It was like forever, like two thousand minutes or something. <laughs> like, Who does the stats on this? And it's not like they had a good goaltender because it was Jeff Glass. See, and, I would have lost that trivia. Yeah, Jeff Glass was not. You look at everybody in front of Jeff Glass. You sat there and went, "Holy crap." Just, they were all NHLers. Oh, oh, yeah. Like and blue chip guys who went go. on to, to have big careers. There you go. Some guy named Sid Crosby too. <laughs> I mean, like it was, it's like, come on. Yeah, uh, Getzlaff, Perry. Uh, you talked about Fanuff. You, you know, but the goaltending was not. You know, the other one was Reggie Boschman uh, for uh, Philadelphia Flyers. He was a Winnipegger, backup goalie. Never ended up really doing Bergeron much in the show. on that team too. Uh, Patrice Bergeron might have been on that yeah. team. I'd have to I'd look have to it up. We're the, just going off the top. But of that, that is that team. is yeah. uh, that is ridiculous. It so was awesome. It so. doesn't always work out the way you think. Speaking of, of uh, people uh, that watch the show, Steve Rapp was watching yesterday's show yes. and had a chuckle. We talked on the phone yesterday. Had a chuckle about Ray Bork. Because he was laughing at our Ray Borg segment, and he said, you know who else fits into that criteria? And I said, fire away. Rob Blake. Rob Blake left a yes. long-time Rob Blake, Los Angeles Kings, yeah, leaves, good point. wins a Stanley Cup. So look, at, like, look at Stephen Rapp doing all, all these and things. And you know what? Not only is he, he's a smart guy, he's a good host. He had the whole family over this weekend. We went swimming, had a barbecue at the Raps compound in Whitby. It was, it was awesome. I'm just, Not the most awesome pool party you could have. It was uh, well, you know what? I, I'm looking for another contender to step <laughs> up and see if they can Actually, match Steve Rapp. We should get him over to uh, to, to our place. I know, yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Did he charge you anything? Like, did you have to pay seven ninety nine a person? No, or no, no. no. So he's what? let that go. That's nice. Uh, nice to see. Amazing barbecue. <laughs> we had ribs, chicken, the whole fixings, corn on the cob. It was it was awesome. Met the whole family, and, and the kids met his granddaughter Brooklyn, and my kids are still talking about her today. Oh, good. So, oh, that's awesome. Go. Uh, we appreciate that, young Stephen Rapp. See what I did there for hey, you? Hey, yep. put the uh, young in there. I love it. Speaking of young, so here's JT, Athlete of the Week. So this is Jim McKenney. This is going back to when John Tavares was 14 years old. And when you think of uh, <laughs> those that were destined to be great, Going back to City Pulse News and Jim McKenney, okay. I got to tell you, this is uh, this is a little. Yeah, fourteen years later, he's a Toronto Maple Leaf. Like this is so strange to look at. <laughs> it's so strange to look at City Pulse, who have always done Athlete of the Week. Fourteen years old, someone named John Tavares. And uh, one of the most amazing athletes that I've ever met is lacrosse great John Tavares, tremendous player and a special ed teacher who's loved by his students. He's got a nephew who's picked up the genes and the name. He's our City Pulse Sports Athlete of the Week. 
athlete of the week. Despite being just 14 years old, Toronto Marlboro's minor midget forward John Tavares has already played a handful of games in junior A hockey, scoring at almost a point a game clip. He comes by his offensive talent genetically. His uncle is one of the most prolific scorers in the history of professional lacrosse. How you use lacrosse to develop some hockey skills. It's very fast, which helps me in hockey because hockey is a fast game too. When the ball moves around, it helps my hand-eye, my hand-eye coordination. His one-on-one -on -one skills are incredible, and, and they've always been there. But he's added the other dimension, and he's realized that when he uses the guys around him, it spreads it out, makes more room for him, and makes us better as a group. How do you develop your one-on-one uh, -on -one skills? I practice a lot in my basement. When I was really young, I used to roll around in my basement, just shoot pucks all day for hours. Now I got a friend who's got his rink in his backyard. I go over there and we play play against each other all the time. He sees the game tremendously. He uh, he makes plays that uh, you know even baffle us on the bench and the rest of the kids get a chuckle at sometimes. Congratulations, Johnny. You're this week's City Pulse Sports That is unbelievable and bizarre. Mm -hmm. If you could fast forward, how often do you see the Athletes of the Week now on any of the, uh, well, if you're lucky enough to have uh, local uh, sporting uh, sports news? Which doesn't happen often anymore, no. unfortunately. No. But that was a Rogers property, so uh, Rogers still keeps yeah, doing it. Yeah, the best. So... I mean, I wonder how he looks back on that. Because you, how do you see... Now, did, did he feel that he'd be in the NHL? So of course, he, he dreamt of that. But to, to this level, this yeah. status, and in Toronto to boot. Yeah. That, that's what I find out. Uh, well, it's funny because he's born in 1990, so that was when he's 14 years old. You double his age, and he's now the talk of the town. Of the, of the entire league. Yeah, and and wearing the jersey and likely going to be the captains. You know, I know they haven't really talked Do you think they'll announce that. that soon? I don't know. I think they should. Uh, you know, but but then, then how does it look on the rest of the team, right? But you have to think, 28 still has a lot of volume left. Do you, do you oversee a 20-year-old over a 20 Yeah, you do. Yeah, because the reality That's is... That's nice, but, you know... If I'm looking at it, and, and look, the captaincy is, uh, is, is, uh, is big in most towns, but it's magnified in Toronto. Big just time. because of who they've had and how long they've done it. Yeah. So if you're going to wear, you know, a C... Uh, there's a lot of guys who wore the C that are all in the Hall of Fame. So if I'm looking at it, and I'm currently on the team, and I'm... Austin Matthews, I'm Morgan Riley, I'm maybe some of those that, that have been on the team and people have whispered from time to time, are they good enough to have the C? If I understand that John Tavares is coming to our team and I'm either of those guys, am I really putting up any sort of stink saying, shouldn't be? I, I think I deserve the C. Yeah. I don't think either of those guys would do that, to be honest. No, I don't think so either. I think, you know, when everything's said and done, what's going to happen is John Tavares will be the captain. Austin Matthews will get an assistant captain, and I look at a, like a Morgan Riley. Yeah, I'm, Morgan other, Riley, I'm going. I lo I, yeah. I think he's got a great there. maturity. And if you add another, uh, if you add another A, because some some teams do have three assistants, then you'd start to have a little bit of a debate. Is it Mitch Marner? See, that's why I go Milan? to. Is I go to. I go the two that you just said. Because it's really easy, yeah, right? Yeah. There's no other defenseman that deserves an A on this team. And then up front, you kind of go, okay, do we go here? Do we go there? Do we, you know? So leave it.
leave it at that, one and two, and you're fine. Right? Like if Marlowe, because of his experience and stuff like that, if well, I wanted to go down that, yeah, road. and he's a former captain, yeah, right? He's, so I can see that. That's yeah, and but the thing is, Marlowe has uh, what another year on his contract or another two on his contract, so it's 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 you know he's almost a he's almost a leader without a letter anyway. Right. Or, that's why or, I go to. Yeah, and that's why I go to. Uh, before we get to uh, Ryan Turner, his show is called False East, coming up and featured in the Toronto Fringe Festival, as you know. 30th anniversary, by the way. 30th and 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 around, really, North America. You can find the Fringe Festival. We'll find out exactly what goes on and exactly what the False East is about. Uh, but as we mentioned beforehand, it was it's the news headline that is around the world. The incredible story of this young team boys soccer team in Thailand getting stuck in an underground cave that is now surrounded by treacherous water. <clears throat> and again, how they're going to get these uh, young men out, or children, they're really children is what I should say. They're not young men, they're children. And those that have made their way in there, somehow finding them, and are going to stay until they can get them out. But getting them out, easier said than done. And property and courtesy of CBC's The National, this is what they're up against. Under a kilometer of rock, escape seems so daunting. The only current path, swim, largely underwater, for two kilometers, navigating through this narrow path, too tight to wear oxygen tanks on your back, then swim 30 meters straight up to fully flooded areas hundreds of meters long, all of it in pitch black conditions. Finally, use climbing gear to get to the surface. And one more thing. The boys don't know how to swim. That's an uh, incredibly daunting task, even for an experienced diver. I don't know how they're going to pull it off. I really don't. Commercial diving instructor Aaron Griffin says it would normally take years to get the training needed. It is clear they'd aim to use full face masks with airlines built right in, strapped tight, so they don't slip off. It's not as simple as just putting a mask on someone and hauling them out and hoping for the best. Rescuers, though, may have little choice. Even though they're pumping the cave system, water levels could still rise, even drowning out the small air pocket that the group has been in for the last 10 days. The rainy season doesn't end until October, so staying could mean months more underground. I would favor looking really hard at getting people out quickly. For diving medicine researcher Neil Pollock, there are two key concerns with waiting. The risk of waste management alone, even if they have food supplies laid in for a several months stay, it could get quite problematic just to manage water and waste over that period of time for a group of people. And secondly, the psychological stress. It is a huge burden for these people, especially <clears throat> in a range of kids from 11 to 16, even on the ground in Thailand, there is likely debate about what to do now, stay or leave. But from those who regularly rescue Canadians from caves, there is one very big and very good sign already. At least to find them alive is a great outcome and there's really hope uh, for, for more success. We are coming, it's okay. it's okay. Many people are coming. And those rescuers have returned, some staying with the boys to keep them engaged, bringing high energy liquid food. David Common, CBC News, Toronto. Incredible story, uh, once again from uh, CBC The National, on how they're going to get these kids out. Uh, I've never quite 
seen a story like that. You know, there has been stories of survival and uh, incredible rescues. But this one isn't answered yet. This is not done. So I guess we wait to see what happens there. You're watching Raw Mike Richards either on the website or the dedicated YouTube channel. Uh, we have the Fringe Festival. It's 30th year. And for those that go to the Fringe Festivals uh, around North America, because they're, they're, they're all the place. And, and what is interesting about the Fringe Festival is sometimes it's the genesis of where ideas that might be smaller at the time grow into bigger ideas. It, it, it sends people along on a career path that maybe in the beginning they didn't see coming, but it through uh, through the, the almost experimentation, which is why it's called the Fringe Festival. Some really amazing things happening uh, this morning. We have uh, Ryan Turner in. Your show is called False East. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's the show. Uh, so, <laughs> so is it about is it about liars? What is it about? Uh, is well, it? it's it, it's got it's got a bit of an interesting um, backstory. Uh, my producing uh, partner, writing partner, acting. Uh, buddy, um, we're big fans of Sam Shepard, who's kind of an American playwright who passed away last year and eventually kind of went on. And the, his, the second half of his career was he was an actor, right? Academy nominated and uh, just like a man's man, you know? Sure, it is. He was always in a tough guy movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, he has this great play called uh, True West, and uh, I mean, yeah, not the most creative title. We we got into the fringe uh, late. We were on the waiting list. So anyway. Um, so we're like, oh, we, just, we should we should write our own piece, you know what I mean? And because uh, it was just uh, the time that we had to get the rights and things like that, and uh, you know, with being uh, artists in the city, it's uh, tough to uh, get the funding for these things in a, in a short amount of time. So we we tried to to write our own uh, piece that kind of paid homage to Sam Shepard's style, and then you know, we made it about Toronto, and we. Uh, you know, it's a very uh, male-dominated cast, so we tried to open that up. And the you know the fringe is a very uh, open in, in environment, I guess. Um, so we brought in two uh, female f- friends of ours who are really talented and kind of were able to uh, take the best of all those worlds. So uh, why don't you explain to those who who aren't familiar with the Fringe Festival? And again, it's, it's across the country; they're in all mm-hmm. in all different cities. What what is the the idea behind it? A Fringe Festival. I think the Fringe Fest is just like a, a, an awesome opportunity for uh, artists of all kind in the city uh, that are involved with uh, theater or uh, that just love love performance to some degree uh, or have a message they want to get across. Uh, it's it's by far the best way to be able to to do a show. It's not easy to do a show in the city to to book a space to find it to be able to get it for you know set amount of nights to be able to. Uh, uh, receive coverage for your show from magazines, yeah. newspapers, things like that. So the exposure and the opportunity is incredible, and they kind of and they and they do make it so easy for you. I don't understand how the Fringe Festival they're able to organize all this stuff because they do 150 shows, and just me alone, I probably sent at least 60 emails, and they were all responded to within like a day or two. I'm like, who is? I was expecting computer generated, sure, you know, responses, but. Um, yeah, so it's just a great and like for me and my my buddy, you know, we just wanted to do that. We wanted to put up our own show. We're not expecting it to to go to Broadway uh, at any point, but it's it's just uh, it's a good excuse to just. Uh, but you don't know. People don't know. That's that's the beauty of the thing. Yeah, like it could become the hot thing, and next thing you know, you are on Broadway. It's true. Yeah, yeah. and that that is the that is the the beauty of it because there's there is uh, there's quite a few shows that have um, gone on to, to success with even like Come From Away is on King Street right now, and that started. It, that start that was it. New York City that it started in. I think it started in the French. It because uh, I thought it was the French Festival in New York where oh, it started, but I could be possibly. wrong on that one. Yeah, I know. But, it but it, in the French, it, I don't it did know. from the fringe, which is incredible when you think yeah. about it. Yeah, 
wins Tonys now. Yeah, yeah. Even uh, like Drowsy Chaperone, I know too, was uh, a fringe festival show that went on to win sure. a whole bunch of Tonys uh, a few years ago. But uh, yeah, it's just it's 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 the, by far the best opportunity, and it's you know I might not, and I'm not necessarily a theater guy. I've done. Uh, sketch comedy and improv and some film and TV work, but I haven't done much theater. So, so what is the like, background then? If someone looks up Ryan Turner, what are they going to find? Uh, a lot of one-liners. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, an okay IMDb page yeah. with a lot of number ones and number twos right? beside the character. Oh, boy. See, I've always wanted to be... St- Purse snatcher four or something like that. I thought it'd be great at that. <laughs> Honestly, purse snatching on TV yeah, yeah. is a highly underrated job. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot Thank of you. fun because it's always the same. It's like the two people are talking. Hey, sorry about your grandmother has cancer, and all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden, what? I That's... steal the purse and I go right because I was like, stop that man, and then I don't care. Shoot me in the back of the head. What? Yeah. Maybe it's, it's a little aggressive these days. I realize, but I'll just go for it. They, they throw they throw a garbage can top. And they hit me in the back of the head, and and I and I am run over by a garbage truck or whatever it is. And it's like, who was that guy? No, those are the Snurf, best ones. You Snurf's get a Patrick. gun, you get yeah. to run. You maybe get to bleed a little bit. Usually yeah. you Ingo. die. Yeah. So there's some yeah. sort of explosion. You, you know, know what, what kills mean? me about those guys? It's like purse snatcher four played by Oliver Olivier <laughs> Livingston the third. Yeah, you might want to... Well, I mean, if you have three names, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's like a good shot yeah. for some reason people think now, because of all the people that were three names, it's like, oh, I've, I gave myself a third name. Yeah, I don't you gotta, knowing, but... Or, or, or as the uh, death sentence, usually if you're if you're on death row, you got a middle name. Yeah, that is And that well. middle name is Ray, just you're, so you know. You're either uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, an incredible artist or you're uh, a uh, mur- murderer. Ray, Ray or Lee. Lee. It's yeah. in there... You Maybe got even a combination. Yeah, too, right. That's too. right. That's so right. Second City is your background, right? Yeah. Uh, what's, Tra- I've trained at Second City. Tra- tra- yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And and so w- with this project, I know the Fringe is actually underway as of yesterday, I believe. Yeah. When do you guys take the stage, and where are you located in the city? Because a lot of people, you know, maybe don't know this, but it's not like the Fringe happens at one theater or oh, no. one church basement. They can happen in the back seat of a bus. Bingo. You know what I mean? Yeah. And where are you guys located? Where can they find you? And how do they find you? Tell well, me more. We opened last night at 10.30 uh, to a, uh, a packed house of uh, 12 okay. to 15, okay. which was great. It was great. <laughs> you know, 15 o- people that would, fr- having done stand-up, if it's 15 people, I don't like 15 people. 15, 15 people's hard. It's tough, especially like coming from a, a comedy background. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, so like I said, I hadn't done much theater, so I was like, you know, I'm, I'm even though I know the show, I, there's still like that part of me that's like, I'm on stage. If I'm not getting a laugh every two or three minutes, there's a problem. Yeah, I'm like, weird. no, <laughs> this is a point in the show that's dramatic. I need to be silent. This is the silence is good right now. But uh, yeah, so we, we opened last night at 1030 at uh, St. Vladimir Theater uh, on Spadina. It's just south of Harvard. Uh, not a very well-known uh, theater. Or, but- or well-known saint. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, both. Yeah. Saint Vladimir? A Ukrainian saint. There's a, there's okay. The, the, uh, the theater, I think, sits around uh, 16 to 17 degrees, yeah. which is great for right now, but sure. if it you know, drops to 25, you're going to be frozen in the second half, so bring a sweater. Does blood drip from the walls? Because I got, I got a feeling that maybe church isn't the right word. <laughs> Not yet, uh, but I thought I did see some sort of apparition in the background that uh, m- might have been St. Vladimir. Uh, yeah, so it's just a... a, 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 a but it's a nice space when you're in there. Like it's a oh, great, sure. it's a perfect little theater for yep. what what we're trying to do. Hundred seats, 
you know, if it's if there's 15 people in there, there feels like there's a bit of uh, there's some yeah, atmosphere, right. you know. And if it's a hundred, it's just like it'll yeah. Feel and hopefully, like, it keeps unpacking after this show. So, so how how many shows do you guys have? How many days do you go? I know the Fringe goes to the 14th, but a lot of a lot of Fringe presentations don't go the entire time. When do you guys go? Yeah, so we have uh, seven shows okay. in the 10 days. So we have uh, six left now. Um, our next show is Friday at uh, at eight thirty this Friday. Okay. And then we kind of uh, you can find all the details on uh, fringetoronto.com and uh, get your tickets there. Yeah. As well, so we have uh, six shows left, and then we close the day that uh, wow, the Fringe closes. Yeah. So. The thing I like about the Fringe Festival, and I've been to a couple of them throughout the country here and there, going to you know just uh, ideas, and you know you read about them, you see if you're interested, you go. Very affordable too. Yeah. You can go there, you see live theater. You know, sometimes it's a home run, sometimes it's not. But that's that's the thing I like about it. Yeah. No, it's it's really all encompassing for. Uh, you know, the world that we kind of live in of stand-ups and sketch yeah. artists and theater people and TV people, whatever. Um, it kind of is just all-encompassingly great for everybody, and they have passes that you can buy, like a chunk. Because yes. some people just come to Toronto just for the Fringe and just watch, like, yeah. 30 or 40 shows. Like, there's a here's what I, Here's what I think you should do. Mm-hmm. So on the last day, the, the last show... <laughs> thousand dollar ticket thousand dollars <laughs> per ticket and people are like thousand bucks well they have to come and see and it people go what could be worth a thousand dollars well saint vladimir number one if i can get StubHub right. involved in yes. this <laughs> everybody buys tickets on StubHub, and if it's a jacked up price i mean you know the acc can yeah, pull it off our show i'll not, give you two thousand dollars for that ticket not the same history as the lease but i mean a thousand dollar ticket that's a show people go. want to see that is a show people want to see uh chris gibbs directing yeah that's pretty big isn't it yeah it was we had um we had a, a short list of directors that we wanted to reach out to that we uh, knew that not some of them we knew personally and uh, others we didn't know as well. And we knew we knew Chris uh, just from uh, the Second Cities, but we didn't really know him uh, that well. Just from a couple shows that he had done, and, and I used to work at the Second City as well, so I just you know just remember watching him do his one man shows and stuff. And uh, oh man, yeah, he just like we reached out and we, we sat down and me and my buddy were like, please, just hopefully one of these. Uh, people just say yes to directing, and and he was uh, he was awesome. Such a great creative mind, you know. And he's just uh, such a humble dude. He's like, oh, you know, I don't know how this is gonna go. Well, and I'm just like, yeah, but like I'm just thinking all these all the things that he's done. Yeah, uh, I've been so funny, and and uh, and he really did uh, just amp kind of everything up. You know what I mean? In the right way, not necessarily like energy or anything like that, but anything that needed to go in in in. We needed help to put things in the right direction. We had written it. You're on the inside. It's hard to see outside the box. Sure. And uh, Chris really opened up a lot of doors for us. Is it hard selling your idea to him? Is like when you guys meet, because I'm guessing you guys sit down in front of him and say, "This is this is our yeah. this is our play. This is this is what we feel." And because because honestly, from his point of view, it better be worth doing if he's going to do it. For sure. He's not going to go in there if it's shit. Yeah. Yeah. And you're so close to it. You've spent. How long did it take to do this, to write this? Uh, we, we we gave ourselves a five-week deadline. To oh, write five this weeks? Thing. Yeah. Really? Because we got, you find out in, in, in December if you got into the Fringe lottery, and then we were on the waiting list, so we found out uh, uh, mid-March. So we gave ourselves, like, the end of March to the to April, the end of April to, so to you, get it done, because we had you, to get going. You wrote hard then. That's We wrote I mean. hard, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was uh, one first draft, and then... <laughs> We're bringing it to Chris, just like ah. See, because that w- that would be a little nerve wracking because he, he's he goes okay, just read it, guys. Uh, you're Ryan. 
who plays the zombie? Yeah. You know, because, because at some point it's like, uh, okay, we're, we're, we're going to clean this up a little bit here. Yeah. yeah. And I think, and you know, and because of his comedic background, we're all pretty loose and we're not stuck to anyone. No, no, no. You know what I mean? So it's like, and I have a, you know, improv is most, uh, my background. Um, so I, I'm just like, you know, it's hard for me to stick to the line sometimes. Yeah. But Who do you think's funny? I mean, you, you, you've got a background in it. When you look at it and go, okay, well, not that you think you're that guy, but you're like, okay, I love uh, this guy, this girl. Who who, who is it for you? Uh, you know what's funny? Because uh, you would think like in the TV, film world, people that I will um, go, like I'll watch anything that they do. Yeah. Because there's kind of hit and miss for uh, for everything. But there's it's, it's so weird because Toronto's got such a... Uh, a, a a, a large, a huge comedy community, but not very well known. That's correct. And That's like, right. And I mean, you know, I know not everybody's going to know the names necessarily in the city because it's a small, sure. you know, a, a, a small community in the minds of people that don't know comedy. But uh, the, it's crazy because like you say that the, the people that come to my mind are people that I watch, you know, around the around the city, stand-ups. Um, Which stand-ups do you, you know, like? Improvisers. Um, Some of them come uh, on the show, just so you know. Yeah, I know. I, I'm a little I'm a little biased because yeah. I've got like good friends that uh, that do stand-up. Uh, my actually my my, um, my producing and writing partner Andrew Chapman. Uh, he's he's a solid stand-up. He just won the best Canadian uh, or best album for the Canadian Comedy Awards 2018. Okay. Uh, so he's he's up there for sure. Uh, I think uh, Rob Bevanek might have been in the show before. Uh, super talented guy, uh, Jeff Paul, a couple of Yuck Yucks guys, like really funny. Now, do you um, do Yucks as well or no? No, no. I, I've done, yeah. I did stand up once and it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it went okay. Yeah, it went okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had done I had done improv for a few years, so I had a, uh, a, a stage wasn't the issue. It was just. Uh, it's a different skill set, though. Jokes. It's a different skill set. You Big know, I, I've been reading. Uh, you remember when Martin Short uh, came on our show, yeah, yeah. and so he brought. I've had this book uh, forever, and I start reading it. The book is fantastic, by the way. The book is unbelievable, and it has a lot of different stories, including his evolution of how to get into SCTV, the whole uh, Saturday Night Live, back to you know, and then doing movies and so on. But he said, you know, he did. He tried stand up once, and it was uh, it was. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Carol Pope of Rough Trade asked him to open up, and at that time that would have been a weird, almost punk scene thing. Yeah, and he said he just got, he just got destroyed, oh, and his I level bet. of humor. He tried to do, uh, you know, just a bunch of stuff, and he's like, I I'll never do that. John Candy wasn't a stand up. Yeah, and that's then, a tough. That'd be know. a tough go for a for like a. Uh, a Martin Short style to go into a punk rock right. show. I feel like he literally would get eaten alive. And he stage. did. He said. He said the people were like they were <laughs> saying bad things to him. Yeah, that and, guy was a hardcore punk rocker. Yeah. He ate see, the head off. See, of and Martin I thought Short. I thought maybe you would be good at comedy because you're a, you're a, you're a born and raised uh, Cleveland Browns fan. Oh my and gosh! That's, and that's a comedy yeah. right there, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> honestly, nobody has a greater yeah. sense of humor yeah. than the Browns fans. See? You go online, I tell you, there's some grade A material for Cleveland Browns. Material. You got to be happy with what the team's done in the offseason though because this actually looks like this team could start to generate in the right direction the I receivers the new quarterback not that he's good but yeah. you know you got the running could back could they win five players. games this year I think they could win yeah. five I games I think they win five games yeah I, I mean this is uh, I, I'm I've born and raised a Cleveland Browns fan uh, so you know I I, I I say it's like your your uh, your bad seed brother who continues to go to jail and back out. This is my relationship with the Cleveland Browns, yeah. where it's like, I love you. I'm going to give you a second chance. Okay, this is the year. You're going to change your life around. And then, you know, September 1st rolls around. The brother goes right back to jail. Yeah. Like, I, I told yeah. myself not to trust him this year. 
But uh, you know what? Yeah, without getting too, I, it's so hard to like. Why Cleveland? Yeah, I was. I was just my my dad had a connection with Cleveland. Some friends that were there, and, and he grew up um, in Welland, Ontario. So they got all the Buffalo games. Everybody's yes. a Buffalo fan. Yes. So he's like, I'm yes. not watching Buffalo. And this was when Cleveland was in their heyday, okay. uh, the only heyday. Um, the Vinny Testaverde, like back. No, the, no, this would have been like Jim. Oh, Brown. Oh, you're talking Jim Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, yeah, the real heyday the real when heyday. they had one thing. The 1960s, right before the Super Bowl existed. So wow. I was like, you know, I, I had I remember finding friends on Facebook when I was like in grade, or I people that I hadn't seen since grade two. Mm-hmm. I, they found me on Facebook years later, and they're like, "Oh, still a Browns fan." I see. So I, my whole <laughs> life has just been uh, just heartache and yeah. just. I'm not that sad. far away from you. I'm a Jets fan. Okay. So <laughs> we're kind of we're relatives. So. Yeah. So it's hard. It's hard to stay like just you know humble because like this year it's like two draft picks and yes. all these amazing things that are happening. It's like okay, but as a Browns fan, anything can go wrong. We've been in moments where just like there's 40 seconds left on the clock. We're up by three touchdowns. This is great. We've won, and somehow <laughs> Cleveland will lose that game. No, like it's it a, just it's it's a it's a heartbreak. I mean, it's, it is, and it, it's what I always find amazing is that uh, every Sunday, that thing is basically sold out. Oh yeah, basically. Um, I mean, up, up until around like yeah. November, December. Well, no, but, but it, yeah, yeah, it, it fades. <laughs> yeah, it fades. But then there's always uh, throw ball snowing, and and they love that too. They let, they'll find a way <laughs> sure. to entertain themselves. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I always remember, uh, and it was years ago. We, we talked to. Uh, See, I think his last name was Johansson. Too, I want to say it's Johansson. He was the play-by-play guy for for the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. And they yeah, went through. Remember. They went through some terrible times. So I said, "Give me an example of when it's it's just the game is just dying and there's way too much time left." He goes, "Well, uh, we've started doing something called love boat trivia." Uh, oh my! <laughs> he goes, "Sometimes, unfortunately, it started in the third quarter." Oh, no. Wow! <laughs> just trivia on like like as a broadcaster. Yeah, yes. yeah. So it's like oh, so the, there's pa- passing incomplete. It's going to be third and fourteenth. By the way. Uh, who was Gopher's cousin <laughs> when Barbie Benton was the million millionaire uh, mistress or whatever? Like he just love boat trivia. See, I could I I could oddly enough I could kind of live with with that <laughs> with with that as as a as a as a as a football fan as, as just knowing that your team is so bad. But the thing with the Browns that makes it awfully awfully just horribly painful to watch every week i don't know how I, I usually get to the third quarter and eventually shut it off and then turn it back on and then shut it off again um but see that's but, the addiction it's like the the, the girl that hurts you you keep going back to that girl yeah because you know that all of a sudden in the fourth quarter they want or some of that but it's like but every game is close they'll play the jets and it'll be yeah. they'll lose by two points yeah. they'll play the patriots they'll lose by two points pittsburgh like games are always crazy pittsburgh do, games are crazy do, they oh, do man. cover a lot of yeah. games yeah. from yeah. a betting perspective because we we do a lot that's, of betting here yeah. we're show. disgusting uh it's uh you know my favorite always looking at the uh, the Browns as double digit dogs. Yeah, and it's like they'll cover that number. And you do take like, them yes. quite a bit. Yes. Yeah, and they do cover. Very. And I'm like, and I don't. Maybe I should be betting more on the on the spread. Because <laughs> See, this is what you need. Two yes. points, I'm like, no, like you had it. There's two yeah. seconds left. Yeah. So if you add gambling to it. This this will uh, uh, balance out yeah. the pain. It's like they lost by twenty seven points, not twenty eight. No, win. 
And that's you know thing, that, I mean, that's, it, that, that, that takes away the pain a lot better. Yeah, yeah. But I but I would do. I remember doing a couple like uh, <laughs> I didn't do fantasy or anything like that. But I did, uh, you know, just your basic uh, uh, pools. Yeah, just basic sure. pools, whatever. But it was like I anytime I bet against them, they won. And then anytime I bet for them, they lost. I did it for a couple years. And I'm like, am I controlling the future of the Browns <laughs> with my hands? Like if I get at, if I just bet, you know, against them every week, will they win and go to the playoff? Yeah. You know. Well, that's why where people get into. It. Well, I was wearing. Um, these socks. I go. Don't get into that because that's goalie talk, right? That's that that you get into the goalie that's how area. I was with the Jets in this playoff, man. Oh, what, certain things, certain, certain shirts, certain things. It's like yeah. okay, they won last game. They, you know, honestly, yeah, it's blah, 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 blah. that's okay. <laughs> that's the beauty of it. The truth. So, so once again, false East. So are we saying it's an homage, but not a parody. We're not saying a parody necessarily. No, we. But it is comedy. Yeah, we yes. originally thought that it, we were going to try to parody it, but. Um, uh, it just kind of steered in a different direction because I, I, you know, I do enjoy the dramatic side of of acting with the TV stuff and whatnot, and then I do this other side of like sketch comedy and whatnot. So we kind of were able to kind of meld both worlds, so we couldn't really make it a parody. Right. And parodies are actually really hard to write. They're Probably. harder than people think. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So anyway, we yeah we just kind of. Uh, to, uh, wrote in the stylings uh, t- to our degree. I mean, yeah. Sam Shepard's unbelievable, but uh, we did our best to try to yeah. so pay tribute to it. So next show is Friday, 8.30 at St. Vladimir's, yeah. uh, Spadina and Harbor. Yeah, just that. south of Harbor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to this 12. church, by the way. I'm I'm obsessed by oh, now. You going to the church. Spend some time at the church. Yeah. You go to the museum, the Ukrainian <laughs> museum there. I mean, you can spend a whole evening at the St. Vladimir <laughs> Theater, catch a show. Are you, uh, are you active on social media at all, and where can they find you? I am, yeah. Yeah, Ryan. I'm on Instagram, Ryan Turner Six, and right. uh, through this show, I'm like, I guess I should post more than every three months. And like, yeah. really, like, is this picture Instagram worthy? Like, no, none of my 200 followers care. Like, but uh, but yeah. So it's uh, I've been promoting the show, and uh, I even did a story uh, out here. I think I did it right. Awesome. Okay. Good for you, well, good Ryan. Thanks so much yeah, uh, for thank coming you guys. in. This uh, was awesome. Really appreciate yeah, it. Pleasure. That is Ryan Turner. False East is the name of the show. At St. Vladimir's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just on the other side, we'll come back. We'll talk uh, some more stuff that we got to get to. But here's something that, uh, for the Caddyshack fans, oh, yeah. a deleted scene. Oh, a deleted yeah. scene that maybe you haven't seen before. Most of us didn't as it was cut. And it was yet another, as you, as you know, the, if you know the history of, the, of, the, of that movie, the Chevy Chase and Bill Murray weren't exactly friends when this was shot. So one of the scenes that was cut was one between Chevy Chase, Bill Murray. This is how it looked. How's it going, Chevy? Morning, Carl. How you doing? Pretty good. Good morning, Mr. Noonan. Okay there, Carl. How you doing? Okay. How's your game, Chevy? It's pretty good. I'm loosening up a bit. Mind if I uh, show you a little something? I've been watching you and seeing what the hell you're up to, and this is what I see. That's a club. Yeah? Yeah, sure, go ahead. Here's you, see. Yeah, that's me. Mm-hmm. Too fast. Very fast. Much too fast. You're coming back too fast. So you're coming back here, you're breaking in around here. By the time you get down to here, see, you've lost it all. And by the time you get down here to your contact zone, you may as well be playing on the ladies' tee, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Can I hit this one? Yeah. Yeah, why don't you hit that one out of here? Go ahead, enjoy uh, it. It's good. I think I remember how this is done. Let me see. 
I think I got a really good deal. See, I'm easy now, and I'm back real slow, see? Well, that's... I think that's gonna be pretty long. I mean, uh, that's the way out of here. Oh, yeah. I could have done nice, a little bit Carl. Thanks a lot. That gives you an idea. Why don't you try another one? Here yeah, you go. Let me, uh, uh, this yeah. will be kind of quick now, but... Uh, no, but not as slow in the backswing. Slow in the backswing. We'll you got to take it back take a look slow. Where it landed. Still taking it back very slowly. Hey, stop! Back slow. And I'm back. And there's yeah. all of it. That's there's good. All of it. That's the one. Yeah, I that think was that it. one's going to work some That one. should be there, huh? Let's take a look at that. Lenny, yeah. you'll watch that, won't you? Come back here! Chopper. Webb. Yeah, come on, Chopper. Mr. Webb? Uh, sir? There it is, the uh, the uh, cutscene from uh, Caddyshack, one of my favorite movies, as it is uh, most most people know every line. You know, Bill Murray made himself uh, even more of a legend uh, during that time. You're watching Raw Mike Richards either on the dedicated YouTube channel or on the actual website. Remember to subscribe. I see a lot of people are certainly doing it. We uh, have seen some uh, nice numbers pop up. So once again, down there in the corner of uh, that screen right there where my head is, you just uh, see the red subscribe, hit it, you're in, or subscribe to the actual website. We have, uh, as you might have seen yesterday, the disastrous uh, World Cup pool. Woof. Where, uh, good luck with whoever you're picking, Whoe yeah. whoever that happens to be. And uh, I'm just trying to find this, uh, which, of course, I never – Tennis is not my thing. No. Wimbledon was because I was a Bjorn Borg fan, and Borg was going to play McEnroe. There were going to be fireworks. It was going to be awesome. But Eugenie Bouchard, where do you find this? She lost today. Uh, oh, she did lose? Yeah, she lost today. Bouchard lost to – this is so slow. Is awful. How do you take our money, Bill Gates? You don't, des you don't deserve that money. Here's uh, – she lost to someone named Barty. Mm. That's not good. The only other Barty I know is uh, Dev. Are you uh, paying attention here? You want it's is 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 Billy Barty? Did she lose to Billy Barty? No, I don't think I don't yeah. think she did. I think she might have lost to this guy. That would have been funny. Yeah, though. this is your big moment, Bill. <laughs> I would take it, Billy. Yeah, that's it. Wow, you lose to Billy Barty. <laughs> Thank you. Are you. Hey, 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 hey. Uh, Come on. You got it. Although he can bowl. Look at that. That's a healthy walk. <laughs> Jeannie throwing a rack against the wall. I'm losing to midgets now. Jeannie, no. Uh, you know who was a winner? Tell you who the winner is. Dev? No. 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 Not with that shirt. No. I'm saying, what does it say on the front, by the way? What is it got a weird thing on there? Uh, PlayStation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I'm sure that's a magnet for the ladies here on King Street. <laughs> See, he doesn't really, we're not even giving him the third microphone like like Russell. So he just gets beaten up and gets a chance. A winner, Joey, Ch uh, Joey Chestnut. Yes. Nathan's, Nathan's Hot Dogs. Hot Dogs. He, I don't know how many times he's won that now. Like he's Too like, many. he's like a, a, a freak champion. Here's what, okay, do you, I like hot dogs. I love hot yeah. dogs, but I'll, I'll eat two and be happy. Two would be, that's, that's going to be, and people go, you realize, Mike, that the, the Nathan's, the Nathan's Hot Dog. You know, it's a little smaller than the regular hot dog. Yeah, but he's eaten like 800 of them yeah. in, in 10 minutes. It is almost sickening to watch it, and yet he wins again. So this is a, a courtesy of uh, of ESPN and property. It, I think it's the National 
how do they call it? Not professional eaters, competitive eating. Something like that. We yeah. had the president yeah. on one time. That's this, right. it, it's a real thing. Thousands of people show up to Coney Island to watch people like Joey Chestnut stuff their faces like a squirrel. When all the world's languages are poured into a single bowl, the word recognizable to all will be freedom. The force that binds. This isn't too over top for a hot dog eating competition. Leave our children. And he will fight at any cost for its cause. <laughs> he falls down. Is under the burden until his bones are cracked and splintered and scraped like chalk on pavement. Until he lies, coins on his eyes. Duty done, wages paid, battle won. He will fight. For he is the champion of now and of always. Oh. Of north and of south. Easy. Of the air, of the fire, of the sea, oh. of the land, <laughs> of the free, of the 4th of July, of one nation, under God. Wow. Indivisible. He is champion. Trump must love this guy. We Chestnut. There he is, Joey Chestnut. Look at this build-up. title on the line. The Nathan's record. The world record all on the line. Coming up next. On the Ocho. The corner of surfing Stillwell at Coney Island. Opened in 1916 by Nathan Handworker. Who had look at the that, States. Dave, though. Come on. It's, it, look at it. Look what they're doing. Look what he does. How are you not throwing up? And then some guys really. Does that look fun? Nope. Devin, does that look fun to you? Sincardi's starting to make up some time here. Yep. Jeffrey Esper. That pace is getting a little tight right now, Melody Collins. Oh, that looks awful. Talking about the pacing. Well, Joey said to Even Sean Levine would think this is gross. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, maybe not. He's out, he's out to be at the 48 or 50 dog mark in five minutes. 50 dog mark. At five minutes, Dave. Fifty. Could be because of the heat out here, guys. Yeah, we talked about it a couple of years ago. When we talked about it. We went down to stand. I mean, you know, <laughs> they broadcast guilt. But look at the people showing up for it. that are competing. Chestnut still well ahead. The crowd too. I don't know. Margin, and you look at some of the eaters. You look at Darren Breeden. I think that you know it's looking like food karaoke. He's mimicking exactly what Joey does. Two dogs, two buns, dunk, eat. Two dogs, two buns, dunk, eat. But I could grow my hair out like Steven Tyler. It doesn't mean I'm going to hit the high notes on Dream On. And I want to ask you while we have a moment before we get Whatever happened to Liv Tyler? I was a fan. Uh-oh. She was at it. Getting rock solid at Armageddon. I feel like kind of fell off after that. I'm watching too much Netflix maybe. I've got a couple recommendations for you. We'll talk about that in four minutes and ten seconds. Chestnut still well ahead of the field. Okay, this is, this is revolting. I mean, uh, it's safe to say that he went on to win. Which is just... Uh, Where's the best place you had a hot dog? Well, do you see the street ones sometimes? The street, street ones are, are pretty good. Really yep. good. Yep. You know, some of the ones in Toronto are, are pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, because I need the, you know, I need the, the big, great bun, and I yep. need the jumbo, and it's got. For me, I like the all beef. Yeah. I like all beef. Exactly. Uh, three places in particular. There's uh, there's a place in Winnipeg uh, just outside of the city limits called the Half Moon, where they specialize in hot dogs. Fantastic. Uh, Yankee Stadium, old Yankee Stadium. They used to serve them there um, in the actual press box. So fantastic. And believe it or not, 
Montreal at the Bell Center. Oh. First period, they have hot dogs for everybody. People line up like it's the, the greatest thing in the world. It's just a common hot dog. It's And their bun is almost like a, a piece of bread, but it's but it's cut like a bun, so it's not a hot dog bun. Well, Do you they know what used I'm to have the form, they used to have the toasties. Yes, that's it. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. it. And those so, were pe- people fought over the yes. the the, uh, the actual uh, the uh, grill nothing, that made those things. Yeah, nothing special about it, but it's just toasted for that, bun. For though. that place, it's yeah. like okay, because yeah. I've seen them in stores once in a while, and when I do see them, it's like you know I'm going to get them this time. Yeah. So, but no. First you, time with the Bell Center, I first time I saw in in the NHL uh, number one when that new glass came in, right? All that yeah. seamless grass and yeah. how it was, and then in in the uh, of course it was Montreal, so it was fun. Before tr- certainly Toronto had it, it was like uh, I could I could get Ryan Ginger. So I said to uh, Chantel, I said, so I could get a a double Ryan Ginger, like two double Ryan Gingers. Monsieur, <laughs> if you uh, you could have three, <laughs> three three of them or, or or triple whatever you want, I can get two triple. So I was coming in double fisted with triple Ryan Gingers. Wow. Do not remember. No, that third period. I was going to say. I think I was sitting on uh, or the opposition that Montreal was playing. That I, it was. I remember it was Boston. I remember they were playing oh, Boston. Good game, good game. But I think I also remember at one point sitting on a white-haired gentleman who was on the side, uh, sitting on his lap, going, "Come on, doggy, come on, little doggy." <laughs> I think it was Jean Belleville. <laughs> you think it was? Could you get off me, please. <laughs> yeah, that's how he talks. He talks like Jean Claude Van Damme. That's how he talks. Do you, do you stack your uh, your hot dog? Like what, what's what's common? On on the hot dog on for me. Hot dog, yeah. So so I'm I am doing ketchup. I know some people don't yep, like ketchup. Yep. I, uh, mustard yes, for sure. Yes. And if they got uh, onions, then onions are going. Onions, out. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like them raw or do you like them caramelized? Because I like them both. I like them both. I, I go more raw because it's just easier. Yeah. Rarely are you gonna. I mean, if you get caramelized there, I mean, uh, good on you. But 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 I'll take both. Earlier this year. You you add a strip of bacon. Oh, your bacon would be awesome. To, to yeah. the, and then, and here's, here's where I got from you. This is all your fault. Okay. Remember the Balderson cheese you served oh, that one time I yes. came to your house? Yeah. You you shave it down. Yeah. And you sprinkle it and let it let, let it, it melt, melt on yeah. top. That's gold. Outstanding. I mean, you got all you got all the elements in there. I'm just saying. The elements. And that Balderson cheese is out. Like I think it's a ten year old cheese. Yes, but you haven't had. I don't think I haven't given you what's called the Bella Vitano cheese. No. From Wisconsin. No. See, the that Merlot would low cheese. Would, see, I would go over that too. See, when you have that at my house, Stephen Rapp never had that. No, he didn't. And you're not allowed to either with the bacon. <laughs> Remember that. People are watching. Uh, no, I'll give you. I'll give you the. Okay. It's, it's unbelievable. Because yeah, because it melts on, and it's like you have yourself like a cheese bacon dog. Yeah. With onions, ketchup, relish, mustard, everything. It's a, it's it looks like a big, you know. And even even now, this is this is very hard to do because you you don't want to do it just remotely for it. But even chili on a dog tastes good too. But you can't really make it at home because then you're making a pot of chili, and it's like, what am I going to do with the rest of it if yeah. nobody else is going to eat it? You know what I mean? Maybe you freeze it. I don't know. But it's yeah, chili chili dogs taste chili great. dogs chili yeah. dogs are awesome. Okay, before we go, here's uh, here's some real weirdness. Now I think we will play back. This is back in nineteen is it late seventies or eighties with Steven Seagal. He's uh, it's 1993. So we started in a minute to us. So we got it all set up. So Steven Seagal, this is an Aikido demonstration. This really is him, by the way. This really is him. So when you see him do the stuff in the movies, it's based on this martial art called Aikido. So here's the real footage. Let's roll this. So there's the bowing, right? The drums, and then the bowing once again. A lot of bowing here, and then... 
Oh, there you go, motherfucker. Oh, yeah, see that? You like that? Come here, motherfucker. So this is early Steven Seagal's like... You think you're a tough guy? Come here, motherfucker. Oh, yeah, I don't know if he says that every time he flips the guy, but... Come here for a second, motherfucker. You're not so tough. How about that? Have you seen this girl? You a tough guy? Oh. Oh, I'm throwing me down. Yeah, so, so come, motherfucker. See, there's one guy. He's, he taps out. New guy comes in. Oh, yeah? How about that, motherfucker? Okay, so this goes on. This goes on for quite a long time. It's, uh... Oh, there you go, motherfucker. Okay, so then... Then I come across... <laughs> this is 2014. <laughs> go ahead, roll it. Steven Seagal in Spain. Now, people are saying, well, what, what could this possibly be? Go ahead, roll it. This is some sort of blues festival? Yep. Steven Seagal is playing the guitar. Because I think I knew he did this out of guitar collection. But then he's going to sing. This is really Steven Seagal. This is not... Okay, okay so the band's pretty good. Stephen's actually playing in this thing. Band's good. So there he is playing. How weird does this look? And now, the awesomeness of Steven Seagal singing the blues. That's not bad. See you people on join us. <sighs> Here we go. I won't wake up in the morning, I believe I'll dust my broom. Well, I wake up in the morning, I believe I'll dust my broom. And that's in the, in the morning. Uh, I believe that's morning. I'm a quick gal, I'm loving while my friend will have my room. Yeah, the only thing that's uh, that's not good about it is he's not breaking anyone's arm or he's not putting a, a fork in someone's head. Yeah. I do prefer that. Yeah. I think I would do that to myself if I had to listen to more of this. What? No. Can no. we just become best friends? Yep. I wake up in the morning. You want to go do karate in the garage? Yep. Hell, yeah, for Steven. It's time. I would like to thank Ryan Turner taking part in Toronto's Fringe Festival. It's 30th year of that in this city. His show is called False East, a uh, homage, if you will, to uh, Sam Shepard at the St. Vladimir Church. I got I got to see this church. I, uh, <laughs> is there blood? There's got to be blood. Let's dance right into the rock you know, Where you keep the holy water, it's got to be like, oh, it's bubbling blood. I know, people. Okay, don't... Whatever. Don't, go ahead, get mad. St. Vladimir. What happened to St. Stephen? There's a St. Mike's. Is there a St. Saint yes. David? Yeah, St. David, St. Mike's. No St. Uh, Devin. No, nothing. Nope. Nope. No one's going to do it. Ever. 